You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. Okay, this morning we're going to talk about warring for the promises. And we have to war for the promises that God has spoken over us, what he's spoken through his word. We have to war for them. And warring looks different. You know, it's not always a battle, hand-to-hand combat. It's not always a battle um, of confrontation. Sometimes it's a battle of strategy that shifts what God is going to do. And like I was saying earlier, but first we have to agree that we're going to receive the promise. You know, a, a promise can be spoken of you all day long, but if you don't accept it, then it never becomes yours. And it's funny, I, I wasn't going to tell this, but I am. Um, you know, when I was growing up, my dad had some uh, mental issues. He was bipolar. And he would promise us all kinds of things. But we never really saw the fruition of those promises. Um, you know, they were just from things from when you turn 16, you'll have a car. When You know, there were just all kinds of things. And so what it taught me is you can't trust what the Father promises you. Right? And that was my personal journey that I had to go through. And uh, it took time. Because when I was encountering God and he's telling me things, I'm like, yeah. But there was that slight but on the end of it. Because you want to believe, but... There's that whatever that's gotten in between your ability to receive and walk in faith and what God is promising you. So um, now we'll tell you, I have gotten delivered of that because I love to remind God of what he promises. I reread his word to him all the time. I'll say, you know, God, it says here. And, and I'm putting a demand on that word because your word is active and alive. And it's been given to me as part of my inheritance. And, and if he says, you know, I, I've told you guys, I mean, I can tell you guys a, a hundred testimonies about healing and breakthroughs and all this kind of stuff from children to family to my own personal journey. But, um, you know, when he says he's going to do something, I do not let go until it's done. I am one of those tenacious people that just am always tugging on him saying, you remember, God, that this is what you've spoke over my children. This is what you spoke over my grandchildren. God, you remember that this is what you spoke over my marriage. We, we celebrated 41 years this past year. But I will tell you, I know, you can bless him. But let me tell you, my parents got a divorce when they were, when I was, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. 
And, uh, and this is really a, a problem. And I'm going to tell you guys, this is nothing what I plan to preach. So we're just going to talk for a minute. We're going to have a family talk. It was a real problem for me because my mom became impoverished because my dad was the breadwinner. And that is very systemic in our nation. Um, so my mom ended up working two jobs. She would work in an office all day, and then she'd work in a restaurant at night in order to keep food on our table. Because my dad decided, and this is nothing bad about my dad. You know, we've worked through all this, but, but my, and he's gone to heaven and all this kind of stuff. But my dad decided that he would not support us because of his brokenness over my mom. And I say this because one of the things I also had to deal with was I was never going to get married and I was never going to have any kids. Because, it, uh, <laughs> well, you know, you laugh, but, you know, sometimes as people, we put up walls of protection because of the pain that was caused to us at an early age, at a medium age, at a late age. We put up these walls. Because we decide, I decided that first of all, I would never depend on any man to take care of me. I was fully able and smart enough to take care of myself. And number two, I didn't trust the covenant of love from God to sustain a marriage. And then I met Chuck. And within one month, I knew. And I was like, God, this is such a trick. <laughs> I knew, and that took him a little over a year to figure out that I was the one for him. But I knew within a month, and I was like, oh, daggone it. So then I had to renounce the vow. I had to reconcile that with God. But think about it. And I'm saying this because what happens in our lives is things affect us that make us make internal decisions that keep us from walking in the fullness that God has for us. And all of us at some point have gone through that. And some of you may have dealt with it. Some of you may need to deal with it, which if you need to deal with it, you can contact Pastor Karen because she sets all that up. But, you know, it's important for us to realize if, if God has something for you that you are unable to receive because of something in your past or a hurt or whatever it is, then you will never walk out the fullness that he has for you because there is a wedge between you and him. And he didn't create the wedge. You did. And as we talk about warring for the promises, part of that warring is understanding that we're the one who interferes with the fulfillment of God's promise. God does not interfere trying to fulfill himself. We're the ones who block the fullness that God has for us. And we have to get ourselves healed from the inside out. We have to learn to live from the spirit, from the inside out, in order for us to walk in the fullness that God has for us. Because God does not go back on what he promised you. What happens is we step back from the fullness he has for us. So that is not the message. That is the preliminary. 
So let me just jump into this and we're not going to spend tons of time, but I want to put that in our hearts because so many times we look at God and say, why aren't you? And there's a lot more that goes with that with timing and all those kind of things. And we won't go into that today, but before we can look at God and say, why aren't you doing what you said you're going to do? We have to look inside of us and say, God, is there anything within us? Is there a vow that we've spoken? Is there a curse we've spoken over ourselves? I will never be a good mom. I will never be able to make enough money. That is a curse that we speak over ourselves. I'll never receive all that God's promised me. I'm not good enough. Whatever that is, that is a curse over ourselves that we have to, you know, get out of the way. And so I want to talk about this receiving God's promise and for all of us, what God has planned for us was spoken over us before we were born. That's what the word says. <clears throat> Psalms 139, before you were born, I knew you. Okay, so there is something in the heavenly realm that was already done before we were even born. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Solomon in the first uh, context of his father, King David. And we're going to go to Second uh, Samuel 7. And like I said, I just want to touch on a few of these because I want to stir stuff up in us, not necessarily for this uh, overly uh, neurotic self-examination. That's not what I'm trying to uh, uh, get us to because, you know, self-examination can be beneficial, but it also can be harmful. So, so we have to have this healthy view of this. But I also, I, but I want to stir us up in in saying, God, is there anything within me that is blocking the fulfillment of your promise to me? Because I'm unable to receive what you have for me. We want to make sure that the table's clean, right? Okay. So that we're going to Second Samuel seven. And, you know, the, the, the prelim to this is David is wanting to build the house of the Lord. He has a magnificent house that he lives in. And he's like, I want to build a house of the Lord. And his prophet Nathan says, go do whatever. What's on your heart? Go do it. And the Lord says, no, that is not what I have for you. That is not what I want you to do. And, uh, verse 12, it says, uh, and this is the Lord speaking over David through Nathan, his prophet. It says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. I will be, uh, I'm sorry, 13. It says, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him. Uh, so we're just going to stop there. So King David wanted to do something for the Lord, but the Lord had the destiny of his seed, who at that time he didn't know who that seed would be to build the house of the Lord for him. So that prophetic promise was spoken over Solomon before he was born. 
and it was spoken over him to David who didn't even know Solomon was going to exist. But we, but we know the story of Solomon and the Lord, of course, knew what David was going to do uh, when, it come to, when it came to Bathsheba and still had a designation for the son between Bathsheba and King David to be his rightful heir. Now, King David had three other sons before Solomon. They were born at this time. And any one of them should have been the rightful heir because they were all prior to Solomon. But God's plan is perfect. And he knew who would be the perfect person to, to inherit the line of David and to become the line of Judah for the Messiah. He knew. But there was a war over this shift. There was a war over Solomon becoming king. And the war came from within his house. It came from his sons to overthrow the kingdom so that an unrightful king would become king. So let's just talk about that for a minute. And I want to talk about the strategy of war for a minute. So we're going to move over to, uh, I don't know why this keeps turning off. Um, we're going to move over to 2 Samuel 15. And I just want to touch on these points, and I want you guys to pray into, God, how does this principle that you've shown us in your word, how does it apply to me? And are there any internal interferences to what you're trying to give me? Are there external interference trying to keep me from receiving all that you have for me. You know, King David's other two sons were the external interferences. They were used by the enemy to try to take away the rightful inheritance by Solomon. And it wasn't his rightful inheritance according to the world. It was the rightful inheritance according to the word what God had spoken. And that's where sometimes we get confused about what's going on because we have the world standards and the world system. But that is also always overridden by God's word and what God has spoken. Yeah. Right? right? Amen. Yes, I agree with that. Amen. So Second uh, Samuel 15, 1. So it says, after this, and there's this whole thing that's happened with Absalom. After this, Absalom, who is King David's son, provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. I'm sorry, the way to the gate. So it was when anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such and, and uh, such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there's no deputy of the king to hear you. So I want you all to listen to what was just said. That is where the deception comes in. Because Absalom is trying to interfere with the process of the kingdom. 
And he's doing this by manipulating the people to think no one cares for them, but he is the one who is caring for them. Verse 4 says, moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that if I were made judge in the land, that is manipulation. Manipulation runs strong in our country. It runs strong. People think if I can manipulate you, and that's, I mean, think about it. I've gone through all kinds of sales training. Part of sales training until I went to Dell Carnegie was all about manipulating the way you think. Overcoming objections, right? Instead of just praying to see, am I the right product for you? Is what my company offers the right thing? It was all about closing the cell. It was all about, you know, we've been, there's a, 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 a infiltration of manipulation, which we think is harmless. But if I'm manipulating you to get you to do something that isn't God's best for you, then there's nothing harmless about it. Whether it's to buy a $99 bar bar of soap or or to buy a $50,000 car. Manipulation is a form of control. And we understand that control is witchcraft. So whenever there is something coming against you that's trying to get you in it pulled into something that's not rightfully yours or that is not God's best for you then that is manipulation and control and that's what we have to start breaking Lord if there's any manipulation or control coming against me in order for me to fill my destiny bring it to my attention and I break it now in the name of Jesus Because that will take us off course to, I mean, how many times have you let someone talk you into doing something that you didn't really want to do? You knew you weren't supposed to, but you did it because empathy, because you didn't know how to say no, because you thought, well, it can't be that bad, you know, and then you get yourself in a situation where all of a sudden you're like, how did I get here? Because I am off track with the Lord, you know, and that's what Absalom was doing. He was manipulating the people because he was the only one who could help them. He was, if I was the just judge, I would be able to help you. And what happens here, and I'm not going to read the whole thing just because of time, but what happens here is he turns all of Israel against David. The king, you know, David is the king. He is in place. He turns the whole nation against him through manipulation and control. That, that alone is a powerful statement in itself. That as a body of people, that's what we need to have such a heightened sense of awareness of. God is the enemy trying to manipulate me out of the promise which you have spoken over me. It happens more than you know. So what does David do? He has to flee. He leaves Jerusalem. And he leaves not because he's afraid, per se, but he's got to get a strategy from God to combat What's happened to him? And just think about it. Here is Absalom, his son. You know, when it's family, when it's people close to you, even if they're not family, they're really close to you. And there becomes this unhealthy control and manipulation. It is painful. 
and you're trying to sort within you, God, what do I do? This is my family. This is my closest friend. This is my business partner. What do I do? And, and King David steps back because he has to figure out what to do because it's his son. It's his son. It's his son. And that is, you know, that is tough. That is tough. So he, you know, David leaves. He departs Jerusalem. And then we're going to flip over just Second uh, Samuel 18.1. And he has to come up with a plan. And this is David's plan. He says, And David numbered the people who were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. He declares war on his own son, on his own country. He has to. Because the country has become divided. The country is no longer under the rule of David. They're under the rule of a false king who has set them, himself up in position to take over the throne away from David, which takes it away from Solomon, which takes it out of the plan of God and moves it into some other direction. But it's so funny, you know, David in his heart for Solomon, I mean, for Absalom, he says, he says to the people, oh, gosh, where's that scripture? He tells them, do whatever's best. And, but he says in verse 5, he says, um, deal gently for my sake and the young man, with, with the young man, Absalom. And as it turns out, Absalom was killed. Because there was no coming back from treason. There was no coming back from overthrowing it. And David goes through a season of grieving and, and just brokenness over it. And, and his people come around him and say, snap out of it. You need to get back into your position and rule the country. And even when you think about the simplicity in the natural of how that is, is when you do get broken, you do get hurt. You go through that time of trying to figure out why and what happened. And, you know, um, and I'm just going to say this out loud and um, y'all can just talk about it amongst yourself. <laughs> but you know what I see? Are there people within the body that have been hurt badly? Because they think the body of Christ is perfect. And not one person in here or it within the body should or could hurt someone's feelings or cause damage or make a mistake or, or even use manipulation to get them to give money or do something. But the body of Christ is a, journey, is a people on a journey after God. And everyone's in a particular section of their journey. Amen. And we have to trust God to get them through. But we can't disengage with the body of Christ because we've been broken by it. Right. We have to stay in the game. Amen. You know, you can't move as a unit of, of the holy body of Christ with Christ as our head if you decide to disengage as a part of the body. Right. If I've decided I'm the little finger, but I'm going to cut myself off from it because... The, the ring finger hurt my feelings 
or cause damage to me. And sometimes it's not as simple as just hurting my feelings. Sometimes it is true wounding to you. It is. Been there, done that. I'm sure I did it to somebody. You know, who knows? But uh, that's where God has to take us on our own journey. And we cannot disengage because part of our destiny is being part of the body. And if we choose to disengage from the body, then we will never fulfill the fullness of our destiny. And I can, that, I mean, that is what the word says. We cannot give up meeting together. We can't give up praying for one another, praising God together, worshiping, having communion together. We have to do that as a body of Christ. That's what makes us whole. Okay, enough of that. It's important, guys. It's important, guys. I talk to a lot of people that feel like they don't need the body. They do not need fellowship. And it's because of the hurt that's been caused from the body. And we do self-damage. But that's where we've got to figure out, Lord, help me get healed from it so I can meet my destiny within the body. Amen? Okay, so we get rid of Absalom. He's dead. Then the next son comes along. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the kingdom because my dad is old. King David is old. He's on the verge of, of you know, dying. And uh, Adonijah decided, I'm going to be the king. So here comes the second run among others uh, for Solomon's rightful kingdom. And this is over in First uh, Kings 1, 5 through 6. Let's just flip over there for a minute. So he, just, he says, uh, Adonijah says that I will be king, and he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And this is key. Listen to this. And his father had not rebuked him at any time, saying, what have you done? Uh, why have you done so? Now, now think about this, guys. This is important as we parent a generation not even our natural children, but our, our, our body children that God, our, God has brought us, our spiritual children. We have to be able to direct, correct, encourage, raise up, and build them. And probably one of the hardest things to do is that correction within the body because we've, we've been oversensitive to running them out of the body because that seems to be what's happening these days. We have to be able to correct what is off. Because if not, it allows them to continue on on a path that's going to take away their destiny. Part of parenting is making sure that you raise a child up in the way they should go so they'll always return to it. And the only way to do that is to not only encourage and build up and prophesy over and and train and disciple, but it's also to correct. It says in Proverbs, you know, don't despise the correction because the correction will keep you on the path of destiny that God has for you. So he decides he's going to be king. And so there has to be a meeting with King David while he lays in bed. He's, he's, very, he's very weak. He's on the edge between Bathsheba, his wife, and Nathan the prophet. And Bathsheba's like, don't you remember what you've said, that Solomon is going to be the king? And then Nathan goes in and says, 
don't you remember what you said? Solomon's going to be the king. And King David says, call Bathsheba back. And he committed that Solomon would be the king. And he begins the ordination process of Solomon. And it took the father to get the son in position so he could live the destiny that God had called not only for their family, but for the kingdom of God. Each of us understand that our destiny is not only for ourselves and our family, but it is for the kingdom of God. Each person carries a piece of destiny that builds the kingdom on earth that God has planned from the beginning of time. That's the reason it's so important for each one of us to walk in the fullness of what God's promised us. Now, I don't want 10%. I don't want 20%. I want 100%. And if it's possible, you know, there used to be that thing, I'm given 110%. Well, God, if there's 110%, I want that too. Because we, it is the kingdom that's at stake here. And if I don't do my part, if I don't get myself healed, if I don't recognize the manipulation and control coming at me, if I don't see the enemy trying to take away my destiny, then it is the kingdom that suffers. And it is your line, your lineage, your children, your grandchildren that are going to suffer. They're going to have to make up for what you missed in bringing forward in the kingdom that they were supposed to pick up and run with. So there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake here. It is not just we're missing one small piece. It is such a domino effect for the kingdom of God. It just is. It just is. Just believe me, it is. You can read it and see. It just is. So uh, Adonijah goes through this whole thing, and, and he gets ousted. David ousts him, and he puts Solomon in place. And I'm going to hit on this thing on Solomon because I don't want us to miss this part either. Yes, Solomon got into the position he was supposed to get into. He fulfilled the word of the Lord that he spoke to David through Nathan before he was born, that a seed would carry his kingdom. But this is a critical part. This is a critical part. And just turn over to 1 Kings 4 for a minute. And we're going to look at verse 20. No, that's not what we're going to look at. I'm sorry, I skipped a verse. Um, we're going to First uh, Kings 2. And this is the charge to David as he, to Solomon. So Solomon would do what he needed to do. It was his commissioning. And God has given each one of us a commissioning, Right. He said, verse 1, it says, uh, chapter 2, it says, Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandment, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord, now listen to this. This is a uh, if then. If you, then God, right? So, so that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me. So this is about the lineage. Saying, 
If you take sons, take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their hearts and with all their souls. And he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. That was God's promise to David for that Solomon fulfilled. But this is where it gets sticky. You know, Solomon has this glorious temple. He builds the temple of the Lord. He has so much riches that silver lays on the ground because it's, he's got so much, it's not really worth anything. He has so much presence of God. It says that there is peace in the land, that there was nowhere for the adversary to even step foot. So in the time of Solomon, there was no war. There was no adversary attack because God had overflowed. And then in chapter 11 in 1 Kings comes the then of the if then. If you do this, then God. Uh, chapter 11 in Kings, and I, I want to just touch on this for a minute and then we're going to pray. Verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. Okay. Verse 4. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. And so the Lord promised David that his line would never leave uh, the throne. But instead of Solomon having all of the tribes, the Lord took 10 tribes out of his hand. He ripped them out of his hand. So Solomon did not fulfill the fullness of his destiny because of his sin. That would not allow him to lead a people because he no longer followed God with all of his heart. Just think about Solomon's life. Think about, you know, <sighs> the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, everything that he wrote. And he got so entwined in the world's culture because he, he intermixed his life with people who didn't have the heart of God. And, he, and they turned his heart toward other gods. So God had to rip. He had to fulfill the word that he gave to David that if he turns from me, I will chasten him. And if you go on to read, he had several wars, you know, that, that fought um, because of what he did because of his sin. And that's a somber word to end on. And we're going to pray the encouragement into it. <laughs> Y'all go back and listen to the prophetic words. But, but it's serious. Do we want the fullness that God has promised us, that he spoke before time over us, but he's spoken through the line, through prophets, through your grandparents, through your parents, whoever they were, that set you up for the fullness that God had, that has for you.
Do we want the 100%? Or are we satisfied with 10, 20, 50, 75, 99%? 99% is still not 100. God has called us to walk in the fullness that he's promised us. He will not go back on his promise. It is us that interfere with the fullness of it. So we as a people have to make sure that what is spoken over us is stewarded well by us. And we know we're going to make mistakes, but who is the one that gets our attention when we make a mistake? God does. You can feel the nudge. That ain't right. Oh, God, I I repent. He's the one that helps us stay turned. We have a body of people that will lean into us and say, you know, let's pray about that. I'm not sure that was God. Or you may be a little off track here. That's why God gives us body life. Barbecues and repentance, right? (laughs) But think about it. You know, we aren't meant to be a somber people that wail and mourn all the time. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're meant to be a people that thrive and that are alive. And we're people that produce finances and businesses. We're people that raise up a generation that are going to take the kingdom of God for their generation and their generation to come. We are thriving people because God lives in us. But we are also people that can be pulled on for different reasons whether it's the reasons I shared earlier, whether it's manipulation, whatever it is. And we have to stay tight to the Lord and we have to stay close to one another so we can make sure that none of those interfere with what God has planned for us because we want it all. We want it all because his word says we can have it all. His word said his promises are not yes and no. They are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. We're a people of yes and amen that move in the wonder and the power that is beyond a human, full of supernatural strength to change the world for the kingdom of God. That's who we are. So that's on a positive note. I, I wrapped that up on a nice positive note. It's called the sandwich. Nice piece of bread, a little bit of meat. Nice piece of bread, it'll be good. If y'all stand, we're going to pray. Because I want us to, I, I don't want us to go away feel like, oh my gosh, have I done something wrong? I want us to go away saying, God, I want 100%. I want 100%, Lord. So if there's anything, anything that is interfering with the 100%, whether it's me or whether it's an outside force, reveal that to us, Lord, because we want 100%. We want to fulfill the calling that you have on our life. What has been spoken over us before the beginning of time? What has been spoken prophetically into us? What has been spoken through the word? We want it all. We want it all. We want to be the full 100% for the kingdom. We want the fullness of healing, We want the fullness of our family to come into the kingdom. We want the fullness of our businesses to thrive and be alive. We want the fullness of our calling to be manifest among all who see us. God, we want the 100%. 
And we're willing to do whatever you show us, Holy Spirit, to make sure that we are in the 100%. Nothing less, nothing less, nothing less. So God, we just turn to you now and say thank you that we're designed for 100%. That's the way you've designed us. We are fully equipped. We're fully able. We're we're fully engaged with you for your 100%, Lord. So show us. Show us, God, because you are gracious and you are merciful. You are our life. You are the air that we breathe, God. You are our everything. And there will be nothing that the enemy can do to interfere with your plans for us. So we come in agreement with your plans. Even though we may not even fully understand it, we come into agreement with your plan. And when we're in alignment with you, the enemy cannot cross that barrier against us because you will do everything just like you did for Solomon. You will do everything to protect the anointing and the calling that you gave him. And the fulfillment of that is a beautiful thing, Lord. (laughs) We want to be that beautiful thing in your eyes, God. So we just bless and honor you, Jesus. And we are excited. And all the people shouted 100%. Amen. That's right. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.